This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Here's some tips for maintaining your Trex deck. Um, occasionally wash it with some soapy water or a pressure cleaner. Trex composite decking is low maintenance and won't fade, splinter or warp. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. We can find instant satisfaction in almost anything these days. Sleepy? Instant coffee. Need to sell your car fast? Car sales? Instant offer. That's right. Sell your car the instant way and get it done with Australia's most trusted site for cars. I'm so looking forward to this interview. Once it was arranged, I got pretty excited because I'm talking to one of uh, New Zealand's best uh, gymnasts as well, successful uh, Olympian, successful Commonwealth Games gold medal there. I'm talking of Angela Walker, uh, who uh, since uh, her gymnastic days has really turned her attention to writing books, and she's written uh, two fascinating ones, which I promise you I'm going to read. Angela, good morning, uh, and welcome morning. Uh, to the show. Thank uh, Angela, you. Angela, uh, you... I, I really, I mean, uh, the two books I, I, I mean to read, um, one in particular as well is uh, From Battle of Britain to Airmen, uh, POW Escapee. Uh, this is uh, a story about Ian Walker, uh, who, which, you've, uh, of course, you're very dear to and researched very closely. And, and I can relate to this. I can tell you why. My dad spent four years in a prisoner of war camp uh, as well during the Second World War. So uh, I'm really looking forward. He, and he was in the Air, Fe- Air Force shot down. So... Uh, I'm I'm looking forward to wow. to reading that one in particular, uh, and and it sounds to me, of all accounts, uh, a really cool story. Yeah, it was an amazing story that I um, I unearthed after my dad had died. Actually, he'd left all these diaries, and so I was able to uh, glean a lot more information about what his wartime experiences had been than he'd ever drip fed to us. It was uh, amazing too, because uh, one of the things about that, before we get on to uh, the the other book, is that. Uh, my dad, in particular, they, they, they were, those guys seemed pretty um, unwilling to talk about those sorts of days. A, a lot of them, in particular, they just wanted to put it behind them and get on with life. Yeah, and you can understand it. You know, it had been such a traumatic experience. My father had been a rear turret gunner and had survived three plane crashes and near death experiences. So you can understand they just really wanted to close that door and, and move on. Yeah, it's, it's it's quite fascinating that. So I will I shall be reading book one. Don't you worry about that. Now, uh, book two <laughs> is the one uh, we've really got you on the phone to talk about them, and uh, we we actually uh, speak to you today on quite a poignant day, Angela, because uh, this is the thirteenth of April, and this is three years to the day since uh, Dame Yvette, Yvette Williams passed away. So um, yeah, I, I, I don't know if we fluked right. that or not. Yeah, incredible that. So. Tell us uh, why you wrote this book. What really got you into writing this book? And folks, the book is called Ideas Are Like Stars, the Yvette Williams story. Why, Angela? Well, what happened was uh, Yvette, uh, unbeknown to me, had read the first book that I'd written. Um, I think she had quite an interest in in Second World War stories. She'd been born on Anzac Day. She'd been a a high school student during the Second World War. And apparently she loved um, the book that I'd written about my father's Second World War. And her family suggested to her that perhaps I might be the ideal person to write her story. Um, and and she agreed not long before she died. So I had the great privilege 
of uh, being uh, given her diaries and scrapbooks and on all the amazing records that she'd meticulously kept and um, and the wonderful job of turning it into a book. So how much time were you actually physically able to spend with, with uh, Dame Yvette? Well, the, the whole um, project of writing the book didn't actually start until after she died. Um, she'd, she'd given her blessing to the project not long before she died. Um, but the family didn't approach me until, I think it was a, just a few weeks after her funeral. Um, so I had met her um, over the years, but, but the, the real research, um, the role that I, that I did researching this book uh, had, to, had to be drawn from the archive. It all came from her diaries and scrapbooks, letters. Fortunately, there were a few... Uh, oral history recordings that her, her family and other interviewers had, had done really in-depth interviews, so I had that to draw on. Uh, but yes, unfortunately, she wasn't involved uh, in the project herself from day one. But, as you say, she was meticulous. Uh, I'm reading a, a little bit of the extracts, etc., and they are so detailed. I mean, this is a lady that, a, what, a year out from the, uh, the actual date of the beginning of the Helsinki, Helsinki Olympics, began, began her plot towards there by writing out her program almost. Yeah, she was, she was very, very uh, goal-oriented. She, she was quite clear about what she wanted to do. And, and those Olympics in Helsinki, uh, she, she noted a, a year to the day, you know, one year from today uh, is the opening ceremony of the Olympics. Uh, I wonder if I'll be there. Either that or doing housework, I suppose, was what she wrote in her diary. Fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. And, of course, as you say, um, she paid a lot of uh, attention to uh, the war years. And uh, the early chapter, one of the early chapters, is dedicated very much to that because, of course, she... She was brought up and lived around those war years. Yes, and her father had actually also uh, fought in the First World War. Um, so she would have grown up hearing some of his stories and then actually living through the Second World War. She was a high school student in Dunedin on VE Day and, and very much uh, involved in the, in the um, euphoric, euphoric celebrations in Dunedin on VE Day. So, yeah, it, it was something that she had experienced uh, from afar, but certainly in her lifetime. She had a fascination, too, uh, with the Olympics before she even probably thought about competing herself because uh, one of the most controversial Olympics were the Berlin Olympics, of course, because they were at wartime. Um, and there she, um, she found um, some sort of um, distant relationship that she ever met them with Jack Lovelock and, and Jesse Owens. They, they were sort of quite intriguing for her. They were. She'd actually cut out a, a newspaper clipping of Jesse Owens, um, who, of, of course, you know, had famously done the hitch kick technique in the long jump, and, and she wanted to emulate that technique. And she'd stuck this picture of Jesse Owens on the inside front cover of her scrapbook, and above it, she'd cut out a little quote, which begins with ideals are like stars, which, you know, is obviously where the inspiration for the title came from. And so these, these are the things that seem to really give her that vision that, you know, perhaps she too could go to the Olympics and, and even become an Olympic champion. Uh, it was uh, interesting, of course, and if you look at the cover of the book, which I have, uh, that's that iconic shot from uh, the beach down there in Dunedin, uh, tell us a wee bit about uh, how that went about that day. 
Yeah, so she quite regularly, every Sunday they used to do um, beach training and she would jump off the uh, sand hills uh, and it would give her more time to actually perfect this hitch kick technique that she had, which was, you know, almost like running through the air while she long jumped. Uh, it was it was kind of the nearest she could have to long jumping in slow motion. So this was that that picture of her jumping off the sand hills is something that she regularly did. Um, but fortunately, her coach decided that it would be worth recording, and and they asked one of Dunedin's top photographers, Mr. Phillips, if he would. Uh, photograph her in action and, and he did a magnificent job unbeknownst to her she managed to create the the cover and title of a book that would um, be published 70 years after her olympic winning success absolutely it is absolutely it's a it's a, it's a wonderful story it, it truly is and uh, you know new zealand athletics um has been uh, i guess uh, been very lucky to have some legendary coaches you know, i look at uh, arthur lydiard i look at uh, arch jelly these people that have been so involved with some of our high profile athletes um damie vet back in those days uh, was more associated with a husband and wife combination called the bellwoods is that right yeah that's exactly right they were a phenomenal coaching duo uh mr bellwood had uh studied physical education at loughborough in the UK after the Second World War. And uh, and then he'd met Emmy Bellwood, who was an Estonian refugee living in Sweden after the war. And, uh, and they'd fallen in love and come back to New Zealand. And not long after their arrival here, they met a vet who had phenomenal natural talent. And so it was a really serendipitous meeting of this coming together of this really rare coaching knowledge that they'd brought from Europe to New Zealand at the time. Uh, with an athlete just as talented and t- tenacious as a vet clearly was. The, the, there's a chapter there, I mean, every chapter is, starts with the, okay, there's a chapter there called the Cali, and uh, people in Dunedin will know exactly what that means. That means the Caledonian grounds. Uh, goodness knows what they looked like back in the day that uh, uh, Yvette Williams first went along uh, with, I think, her workmate, encouraged workmate to just go along and, and just have a crack one night. Yeah, she, she wanted to try to keep a bit fitter that once she'd left school and, and got a sedentary office job and, and her, her friend at work said, well, come along and try athletics. So she went along, uh, she was about 17, never done athletics, and, uh, and she won her first, uh, I think it was the 100-metre sprint on the first night. She won the race, and there was even a little write-up about it in the, in the local paper the next day. So she really started athletics as she... Uh, turned out that she would continue. Uh, Angela, I've been you know, focusing on uh, the earlier years of, of her career, etc., and that and her upbringing because they clearly were the inspiration and in what she won, went on to become. And that, of course, was um, the first New Zealand woman to win an Olympic gold medal at the 1952 Helsinki Olympics. Now, her reaction to that, please, uh, out of the book. Her reaction to winning it? Yeah, uh, you know, realising a dream, really. Yeah, I mean, I think she was clearly quite, you know, blown away when she actually, she did, pulled out the the winning jump in Helsinki and broke the Olympic record. And, you know, she writes beautifully about it in her diary, just the the actual euphoria of, of winning, especially when she'd been up against it. She'd done two no jumps 
if she'd done a third, she would have been out of the competition, but she managed to rise to the occasion like just when it counted. And yeah, you really get a sense in the book of just what that meant to her. Yeah, it's a, it is, it's a fanc- uh, fascinating story. And uh, of course, I, uh, I urge people, um, particularly people uh, of my vintage actually, because it's a great chance to reminisce for a lot of you uh, over just exactly what it was like back then as a youngster trying to realise your dreams. It, it, it's so as good. And of course, uh, she uh, had a brother, Roy, who was pretty successful too. Yes, Roy uh, obviously went on to become a, a Commonwealth Decathlon champion. Um, and he was absolutely invaluable in this process. I met with Roy and uh, he was able to give me all sorts of interesting details. Uh, that, that was quite lucky that he was still around and able to to um, advise me as I wrote the book. It's an interesting thing. You talk about bloodlines and, and if you don't believe in and uh, passing on bloodlines and, and talent within the uh, within the genes, then you should read this book and you should look at the uh, the life of uh, Dame Yvette Williams because she went on to marry, of course, uh, Bunny Corlett and produced four siblings. Neville, who uh, played basketball for New Zealand. Peter, uh, Auckland rugby fans will remember Peter Corlett. Karen was the 1977 World Ry- uh, Rhythmic Gymnastics competitor as well. Now, that is uh, some sort of bloodline for me anyway, Angela. Oh, you're absolutely right. They were a phenomenal family of athletes. And I, and I guess, you know, they were really blessed with extraordinary genes, as you say. You know, Dame Yvette as their mother and then Buddy Corlett, who had been a double New Zealand uh, international in both uh, basketball and softball. So, yes, if, if anybody was going to get the genes and go on to succeed, it was the, the Corlett family. Angela, I like uh, the tribute in the book as well and uh, how pertinent has it become in the day and age that we live in now because the focus is firmly shifting towards uh, women's sport um, and it's been a long time coming but uh, the tribute in the book says for all the shining sportswomen of the past, present and the future. How pertinent has that turned out to be? Yeah, I think it really is. This is a story whose time has really come, isn't it? You know, I mean, it would would have been lovely if there had been a biography written, um, you know, not long after she won in the 50s. But in some ways, it's quite ideal, I think, that, that her story has now become a book and it's being shared at a time that we really are starting to celebrate our sportswomen and, and realise just how incredible they are. Angela Walker, what next for you? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, I, I, I think I need a bit of a rest after writing this story. <laughs> it was um, it was very intense and all-consuming. Um, but I have turned my attention uh, to um, trying to write picture books. So I have got a, a picture book for, for young children in the pipeline. Uh, it's been nice working on a, on a smaller project that uh, you can start and finish in, in, in less time than the many years it obviously takes to research and write a book. Uh, but, but I've got the writing bug, and I think you know, there will be hopefully more books. And, and I'll tell you what, uh, Angela, I firmly believe, um, you know, in the past, writing sports books, let's be fair, it's been mostly a male-dominated uh, arena. Not so now. I think there's a lot of candidates for, in terms of our female stars. Uh, imagine a book on Val Adams, uh, you know, a really serious book on the background of the Val Adams family. I mean, um, you know, what I'm saying basically is it's, it's a lot more open now and there are a lot more possibilities, particularly in the female ranks, aren't there? 
I think you're absolutely right, yeah, and we've just had such phenomenal success, you know, obviously this year with uh, Zoe, Zoe at the Winter Olympics, you know, obviously Lisa becoming our most successful Olympian ever. The list goes on of just phenomenal sportswomen that New Zealand is producing. Folks, we've been talking to Angela Walker. Uh, the book is called Ideals Are Like Stars, the Yvette Williams story. It's fascinating. Uh, I've read extracts from it. I'm going to read the whole thing. On top of reading from the Battle of Britain, Airmen to P-O-W-S-K-P, the story of Angela Walker's dad, Ian Walker. Fascinating also. Hey, Angela, it's been an absolute pleasure um, speaking to you. Uh, thank you very much. Congratulations on, on the books uh, and, and all the best. Thanks so much for your time. Oh, thank you. For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com.